0: Even though I was overwhelmed and he was, you know, offering to give me a break, it almost wasn't worth it to risk it, at least in my mind. I should have let go. Hi, I'm Bobby. I was a caregiver for my father-in-law, Roger, for seven years. Having lived through it and knowing how difficult it was, I knew that I I wanted to support caregivers in the best way that I could. So I have become a certified caregiving consultant and a certified caregiving educator.
1: And I'm her husband, Mike, and I also helped take care of my father for the seven years. And since that time, I've become a certified caregiver advocate.
0: And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia.
1: Here, we will focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support, and maybe even share a laugh or two along the way, because we all know that laughing is, in fact, the best medicine.
0: And don't forget the wine, Mike.
1: Oh, no, can't forget the wine.
0: So, Mike, how did you find time for yourself during the years that we were taking care of your dad?
1: Well, periodically, um, I would go down to the basement, and I would put on my headphones, and Turn on the music and sit down behind my drum sets and and just smack things because that's was always that has been my escape since I was seven years old. So I was able to take those moments um, when they came and uh, do that to just kind of de-stress, relax a little bit.
0: I always appreciate that you ask me if it's okay if you go downstairs and make some noise.
1: Yes, and
0: I'm happy to say that I always enjoy it when you do play. Now, for me, finding time for myself has always been diving into a book. So that brings us to today's guest. She served as a live-in caregiver for her mom back in 2007, and since then she's been drawing on that experience, along with her 40 years as a market research professional, to provide information, guidance, and inspiration to caregivers as they navigate their own caregiving journeys. Please welcome to our show, Debbie Howard. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Mike. Hi, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you, and we know that our listeners will learn a good bit from you today. So you want to tell us a bit about your caregiving experience?
2: Sure. Thank you so much. Um, My mom was diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer back in uh, mid-2007, and I was working at the time in Japan. I had been working there for uh, a number of years, and I had my own business there, and I served as a, law, a caregiver from afar for the first one year. Um, my other sister, my two sisters, and I kind of spotted each other and took turns taking mom to the chemo appointments and that sort of thing and helping her with the recovery. And then um, the last six months of her life, she really needed 24 7 help. She couldn't live alone anymore. So I was the one with the business. My sisters worked for companies and their family medical leave was finished even after one short year. And uh, so I moved back from Tokyo for those last six months and lived with my mom and made sure that she could feel safe and that she also could die at home as she wanted to.
0: So uh, how did you organize who did what? Did you sit down and have a plan with your sisters or did it just come about organically?
2: Um, it was pretty organic, and it was also pretty dependent on physical proximity. Um, because I was in Japan, um, I would have to fly in and out for short bursts of time. And my uh, one of my sisters was in Texas, and she would fly in and out of South Carolina for short bursts of times when I wasn't there. My other sister my, lived in South Carolina uh, within about... I'm going to say 40 minutes of my mom's house. And we were very fortunate because my sister is actually a respiratory therapist. And and she worked at the hospital that was five minutes away from my mom. So she could stop by on her days from work, going in and coming back. Um, and she was also, like I said, within one hour. So we, we actually had a very ideal situation that way.
1: Sounds very fortunate.
2: Yes. Yes, and I know that now. When I, I, I I'm going to say this, and it's, it's it, all the caregiving situations that we all go through are so different and individualized, um, and and uh, I at the time I, I must say it was all that the three of us could do, and, and it was only for a year and a half, and now, and I don't, I mean really we were all. Energy, emotionally and financially, pretty depleted by the end. And now I hear many other caregiving stories. I've interviewed over two hundred people for my uh, for my book, actually. And you know, all of the situations are so very, very individualized and different. And I I, I look at my own situation. I think, wow, that was so easy compared to so many of the other situations that I hear about. But it was it was devastating nonetheless, and it took everything that we had. I I don't know how else to say it. I, I don't know how people can do it in the very long-term situations that you, for example, you and Bobby had, what, 10 years?
0: Well, we did it for seven years, and I actually thought that was a really long time, but like you said... It is a
2: long time. There are
0: people that have do it for 15, 20 years or longer, and while... All of our situations are different, not only because of the different diseases, but the different family relationships. Yes. There are so many things that are similar. Yes. And what you talked about, the devastation, the, the feeling of being drained in you know emotionally and physically and you know almost at the end of your rope from moment to moment, is something that, yes. that all of us feel.
2: Yes, yes. And one thing that you said, uh, Bobby recently at the National caregiving Conference. Um, that really struck home with me was uh the comment that you made about do not pray for strength <laughs> I, <laughs> I i i prayed, I prayed for strength and I got it you know?
0: yeah, that's something that i learned I learned that a few years ago, and somebody warned me because I used to go walk around all the time and say. Uh, God give me strength. And, and a friend of mine said, don't do that. Do you realize that how you gain strength is by lifting a heavy weight? Yes. So when you ask for strength, you ask for a burden. Yes. So uh, I I learned not to do that anymore. And I don't ask for patience either for the same reason, because if you ask for patience, you'll get opportunities to be patient. So I, I say, show me the path you want me to take. Yes.
2: I love that. I love that. That's much more productive and it's it's like the old it's like the old adage of be careful what you wish for.
1: Yeah, you just might get it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
0: So, what was a particular difficulty for you in dealing with your mom? Um, I know the fact that you knew that she was extremely ill was difficult to deal with. But w- were there day to day situations that you think our our listeners would like to hear from you and, and maybe learn from you things that you learned along the way?
2: Um, well, thank you for asking, Bobby. I, I think for me, um, one of the biggest lessons was, had to do with daily um, self-care, and, and I know it's a big of a, a, a bit of a buzzword, but um, I, from the very beginning, I and I and at that time, two thousand seven, I, I don't know why. I think we, we, our family was thrown into um, turmoil, and I. I didn't even think to Google around and look for things. I, I think I probably would have found caregiving.com at that time and many other resources, even back in 2007, but I just didn't think to look, actually, and I didn't even know the word caregiver, so, uh, but, I, but I instinctively knew that if I didn't take care of myself, I was going to perish, and um, so my mom and I actually had a deal. Because she knew I was coming back to live with her and leaving my business in Tokyo, we had a deal that I would be able to run my business from her house, and and part of the deal was that when we had a um, a caregiver, a CNA come in uh, five mornings a week from eight to noon, that I would be able to work, and that was really hard because honestly what I really needed to do during that time was go to the grocery store and run errands and do all the things that caregivers do. Uh, It it was, it was, it was a, you know, easy to say, here's your four hours every day, Debbie, that you can actually do your work. But in fact, um, other responsibilities bled into that time. So it it became a real challenge for me to get my work done and uh, keep myself well taken care of and I'm talking about things like take a walk outside and get some fresh air um, because work isn't a break from caregiving
0: work no, is work yes it is one of the things that I always tell caregivers now if somebody asked if there's anything that they can do is to give them a job and sometimes it's just coming and sitting with you for a few minutes so you can vent or it might be having your teenage uh, neighbors come over and cut the grass or rake the leaves for you, or just be in your home so you can take a shower and not worry about what's going on around you. And and, and that's really the kind of self care that caregivers often don't think about. Exactly, and and I
2: and it's 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 true that just a little bit of support like that can help you as a caregiver and give you that break. And you put it very well so that you can take a shower without thinking about it. Um, you know, you can feel that you can go take a walk because there is somebody there with your, your loved one. Um, it's, it's a really important thing, and it's 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 one of the most difficult things, I think, because I, I don't know about you all, but when I find myself, even when I'm not caregiving, um, I, I'm very hard with myself. You know, I, I fill up every minute, I walk to the refrigerator, I grab, you know, a piece of roast beef or turkey and I eat it standing there, you know, to save time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not very good, right?
1: Yeah, Bobby teases me all the time because sometimes I'll eat over the sink so I don't have to dirty a plate, which is kind of a guy thing.
2: Well, I've done that. I've done that. And, and, And I think we all do that in our regular daily lives, and imagine it with the pressures of caregiving and the responsibilities of caregiving. And so, you have to really like be actively on it in terms of okay, uh, let me make myself take a walk, even if it's five minutes. I like to say, even if it's only five minutes, let me go outside, get a breath of fresh air, knowing someone's there taking care of my loved one, so that. Um, I get a break as well.
1: So if there wasn't anybody there, um, were you able to take that five minutes? um, Maybe not go outside, but do something inside the house where you were able to just get your zen moment or or whatever you want to call it, where you can just recharge for a minute or two?
2: That was pretty hard, Mike. I did have a separate room. That was a nice thing and a luxury uh, many people do not have that luxury but i had my own room and bathroom so taking a shower became a zen moment actually <laughs> right? and, and and it's a good point that you make that see i think we need to recognize the moments as uh, and and acknowledge them for being a relaxation like maybe redefine some of the things in your life as as something different because you could look at a shower as oh my god let me get out of here really fast or you could really enjoy the moment, um, and and I think you know redefining that in your own mind is also really important, and enjoying that moment.
0: There was a, there were a couple of times when I stepped out on the deck and just hollered, just screamed for a couple of seconds.
2: Yes, well I I had a I, I laughed when when Mike mentioned his drum set. I wish I had had one of those. <laughs> what I did, I, I don't play drums. I'd like to. I might beat up a set, but. I, I went, um, I would go to the grocery store and I had this one CD and you would think that I would play maybe, I don't know, classical music or something relaxing, but I played the loudest, most raucous thing I could play. You bet. And I played it and I played the same song over and over and I would get in the car, I would just put in the CD and push, push that one. And I would just, uh, it was great. It really gave me a release. And um, I liked that. And that was a moment for
0: me. And music is so important, not only for the caregivers, but also the people that they're taking care of. And right. Mike can certainly talk about that.
1: Yes, I've actually um, gone through the training with the uh, Live Inside um, organization to be a music detective and music therapist. So I Oh, can help. I
2: love that. And I, I don't
1: know if you... How
0: do you spell that? Um, Live
1: in- Alive Inside.
0: Ooh, it's I called like that. Music and Memory is, is the organization. Oh, that sounds great.
1: It's amazing what music does, and I've seen it firsthand by going into an assisted living that had a Music and Memory program and working with some of the residents there. And it's breathtaking, the difference.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. I, I, I'll i send you a link to a friend of mine's CD that he made for his mother who had Uh, dementia and they cared for her for about 10 years and he is a musician and he made this really cool CD with uh, music that was somehow recalibrated for dementia patients actually.
0: Well one of the things that we, we want to do is if somebody's being aggressive somebody with dementia becomes aggressive one of the things that you can do is put on some of their favorite music, maybe from the time that they were young people, you know, whether they, you know, were dating in the sixties or the fifties or the seventies or the eighties music mm-hmm. that, that speaks to them. And nice. sometimes that it'll bring them right out of that aggression. They might even start dancing or singing. Um, wow. It adds a real quality of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, so like for me, all you got to do is put on the Beatles, and I totally chillax, as they say.
0: Yeah, music is so important. So, how how are you and your sisters doing now? Uh, well, we we are doing great.
2: In fact, we just had a sisters' uh, reunion uh, last week, and one sister flew in from South Carolina. I flew in from Chicago after the conference, and we. Stayed at my, my little sister's house in Austin, and we literally um, we watched Downton Abbey. We binge watched Downton <laughs> Abbey together. We sat around in our pajamas for two days straight.
0: And did you share? Did you share some of the special moments that you had with your mom while you were having this wonderful girls' weekend? Yes, we we actually did.
2: Um, we uh, my mother's. Uh, birthday was on October 26th, and the anniversary of her passing is November 28th, So it's right. We were meeting right between those two dates, and um, we're uh, we're we're of Irish distinction, <laughs> Bobby. So uh, we have that in common, and my mother loves Tullamore Dew, and so we definitely had a few toasts with the Tullamore Dew. I think what we like to do is laugh a lot. Um, and, and we talked about that earlier uh, about how the importance of laughter. and I think, I think laughter is very, very healing and, and I'm going to tell you a funny story. Good, how about that? Good. <laughs> um, because my sisters and I still laugh about this with, with just a lot of, a lot of good feeling and memory. and we think our mom is probably laughing with us. Um, my mother at one point in the caregiving situation, came out with a belt. A little giraffe bell that it had a giraffe on it. And it was a brass bell, and I think I had missed her calling me one time, maybe, from a room twenty feet away. So uh, she said, "I'm getting a bell so that you'll always hear me," and I went, "Uh, uh-uh, I don't think so." And um, so, because I just didn't want to be rung into the room (laughs) I just I just I was just like oh my god I can't take anymore right I can't take a bell as well and so I hid the bell okay (laughs) and and I hid it in my room which my mother couldn't get to anymore because she couldn't she was not mobile enough and I hid it in the bottom of some A basket with some under some towels, right? This is this is a super Irish thing to do, right, Bobby? Absolutely. (laughs) And and so um, and I and I felt a little guilty about it, but not that much. (laughs) So my uh, my middle sister came over one day, and and my mother, who knew probably that I had hidden it, but and wouldn't ask me directly because you know she knew. I'm pretty sure deep down what had happened to the bell. Uh, she asked the middle sister, where's the bell? Do you think you can, where, where do you think that bell is? And sent Marsha, who, who is nicer than I am, <laughs> to look for it. <laughs> and 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 I heard this going on in the other room. And as my sister walked into the room where I was, again, twenty minute, 20 feet away from my mother's room, I'm doing the big flag, no sign, right, with my arms in the air going, no, like that, <laughs> and um, and and then I and then Marsha got it really fast because we're three sisters and we're pretty sharp and we work as a team and and she goes, oh, I don't know, Mom, I looked all over the place, I couldn't find it anywhere, and uh, so that was that's one of our funniest stories from the time um, that we were all caregiving together.
0: I think if that happened in my family, every one of my brothers and my sister would send me a bell for Christmas.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, we
2: my one of my sisters still has it on her mantelpiece. Oh, and, oh that's you know, awesome.
1: We,
0: we talked
2: about making it like the traveling pants,
1: you yes. know, the
2: bell that goes around from sister to sister. But anyway, we like to laugh about that story because um, it's very real, and 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 I think we all as caregivers uh, struggle with the demands that are put upon us, and and you know, at some point, you might you might have to say no. You might have to draw the line.
1: What was it like with your sisters? Now, obviously, you've had a great relationship with your sisters, but having the difficult discussions, how um, how difficult were they, being that you guys were all pretty much in sync?
2: Um, well, having we were so fortunate, Mike, because I know this is a problem for many, many families. My mother, 10 years before my mother became sick, she had come to the three of us and said, this is how it's going to come down, right? And she had a plan. She had a really good plan. And then I think the tensions between my sisters and I, um, they were things like like when I was there as a full-time caregiver, one sister came to visit as well. And I'm going to – these are funny stories, but my little sister doesn't wash dishes. Like I, I'm an excessive, <laughs> compulsive dishwasher. And she would leave her dishes in the sink. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like I, I, I'm here as a full-time <laughs> caregiver and you're leaving your dishes in the sink. So that, that was irritating, right? And it's a really small thing, but small things become big. With when the stress of caregiving, yes. Yeah, when you're under this kind of stress and, and I'll tell you another funny story Like my like you, you, as a caregiver, and if you're the full time caregiver, you get a system going and you've got everything under control fairly well, right? Everybody or you think. <laughs> so you think. And then another person comes in and starts like doing their thing and they're trying to help, and, but it's not helpful, right? And my one sister came in and started giving foot rubs to my mom. And my mom, and I'm not begrudging that. But I wasn't giving foot rubs, right? And and so, or I hadn't been. And when the other one came in and started giving foot rubs, my mom said, come in here and learn how to do foot rubs like <laughs> she's doing. And I, I just went, I, no, no, I'm not doing that. Am I not doing enough? <laughs> it really irritated me. I, and, can, I,
0: I can see where that would happen. You know, for me, yeah. when when Mike and I were doing this together, and it was pretty much just the two of us. Um, I had trouble letting him do things because sure. I had my own routine, yeah. and it was important for Roger to have that routine. And you know, often Mike would say, "Why don't you get out of the house for a while? You know, just go shopping or even go see a movie." but I was afraid that things wouldn't go the way I had planned okay. them. And on a couple of times it was true, he didn't get his medicine on time or something like that. And what would happen is Roger would say, well, Mike doesn't make me do that. <laughs> so it was, it was hard for me to let go. But so even though I was overwhelmed and he was you know, offering to give me a break, it almost wasn't worth it to risk it at least in my mind, I should have let go.
2: Well, it's a very good point. And, and things happen too, when you're the main caregiver, you know, certain things like, like I knew my mother did not want, uh, what do they call them? It's like Ativan, right? It's like a, and it makes you relax. Um, anti-anxiety, I guess. She did not want that, right? And, and the hospice people were saying to me, your mother's really agitated and and i think she needs this and i said she does not want that and i said she's agitated because she's dying and she, that's the way she would be under these conditions right cuz i cuz i knew what what she wanted and she had been very clear with me and when i went away on a business trip um the hospice people and my one of my sisters decided to slip her half an advan to calm her down and she knew it oh, immediately no. She knew it immediately because her body was a clean slate, and she could tell that they had given her something. And then she said, "I'm not eating anymore. You guys are doing things to me." That's, so, you know, I, I think it's very important what you said, Bobby, that like it's it's you you become very responsible and you know all these things related to your care receiver, and then you do become a little worried about leaving your care receiver, right? Because you are the protector.
0: And absolutely. And you,
2: yeah, you're the person who knows.
0: Well, Debbie, we want to thank you for taking the time to share your your knowledge and your experience with us today. We really appreciate your being here.
2: Well, I feel like we could go on talking for hours.
0: Oh,
1: we yes, could. We could.
0: <laughs> yes, we could.
1: Yes, so, we could. So, Debbie, why don't you tell our listeners um, your website?
2: Okay, thank you. It's www.thecaregivingjourney.com. All the words are run together, no caps. And there, uh, you can read more about my story, you can sign up for my newsletter, and you can uh, get the link to my book on Amazon. And my book is titled The Caregiving Journey, uh, Information, Guidance, Inspiration, and it's designed to help caregivers navigate their journey with more grace and ease.
0: You know, ever since we first met two years ago at the Caregiving Conference, we've, we've clicked and shared our experiences as caregivers. I know that our listeners learned a lot from you today, and again, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. People like Debbie are so important to the caregiving community.
1: Yep, I think a couple of things that uh, we learned from Debbie are, number one, be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. Number two, laughter is healing. And like I said at the very beginning, laughter is the best medicine. And I think maybe one of the most important things she said was, Take that five minutes for yourself every day. It doesn't have to be go on a trip somewhere or do something like that. Just have that five minutes where you can just and breathe.
0: You can find the link to Debbie's site on our show website at Rogerdat.show. This has been Roger That, and I'm Bobby.
1: And I'm Mike.
0: And we're dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia.
1: So please subscribe to the show. Go to iTunes and post a review. Reviews are very important. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know how we can help you. Or if you have a question you'd like for us to address. Or if you'd just like to say hi. Now, to find out more about us, or where Bobby will be speaking next, head on over to RogerThat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. You can find out more about HCA on our website or go to hearingcharities.org.
0: Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.